podcast at Ground Zero is presented to you by the Apocalypse. Because without the Apocalypse we wouldn't be doing this show. Greetings, friends of the Apocalypse. This is Podcast at Ground Zero, your home for the Apocalypse for episode 85, Train to Passan presents Peninsula. I am the Apocalypse nerd. He is Adam Baumglancy. Welcome to the Wastelands. Hello, folks. Well, All right, folks. Uh, we both watched a movie this week. Um, we watched, as you heard in the title, Train to Busan. Presents Peninsula. Uh, so we're going to review it and we're going to do one of our t- uh, normal terrible reviews because our reviews j- basically just uh, consist of telling you everything and spoiling everything for, <laughs> for yeah. you. Yes. You're, you just get used to that. That is our that is our MO. That is our modus operandi is to ruin everything. Because because uh, we are no Siskel and Ebert by any means. We are bad critics, but we'll tell you what uh, we'll tell you what's good and what's not good. Um now, we watched this movie, and I had high hopes because it was the same director, but... Uh, Scott yeah, as the, as the original Train to Busan, which is... We, we, you gotta admit, this, this is a film that you know, demonstrated that the zombie genre is not played out if you do it well. Yes, but uh, as we found out, it wasn't the same writing partners, and it shows. Um yeah, but uh, before we start talking about that, just real quick, um, I have, uh, as you've heard on the one of the uh, previous uh, couple podcasts, we talked about the uh, the the Ko-Fi site for support. Um, I haven't had an official announcement yet, which I need to get out there and write that up, so we have an official announcement about what everything is. But uh, people have found it already, and we do appreciate the support that we have gotten uh, already for that. Uh, but we just want to just mention a couple minor things, and I'm not, I'm not going to drag it out. But um, this is definitely something that we don't want somebody to come in and be uh, a white knight and save the podcast, because that is not what we are looking for. Okay, We don't need somebody to come in and drop hundreds of dollars to save us. That's not what this is about. This is just small donations if you want to help again nobody has to do it buy us a cup of coffee just a cup of coffee and most people have just bought us a cup of that's what we just want if somebody feels like they've really enjoyed the show and they could just give us a little support you know because again if we could get this support and it could expand it could cover expenses some back expenses we may try to expand and do some other things like maybe i could maybe do some better web hosting and stuff like that you know uh you know who knows what we could do um, and we've had some people do it, and we appreciate we have it, but you know what? Don't come in there, drop like, you know, 20 cups of coffee or anything. Don't just people, just don't do that. Because uh, part please, of it is... Please. Yeah, please. Because part of it is we don't... We don't... 
be honest with you, I don't want anybody to be able to hold anything over our heads. Because when people give you things, they feel like you owe them. And if somebody's dropping a large amount of money, we don't want that. Okay? Because we don't want anybody to have any to hold anything over our heads because we're not asking because we're not asking people to it's like you want a three buck cup of coffee that's great because you know we give you three bucks we give you a cup of coffees a year's worth of uh entertainment you know <laughs> that's what we're that's what we're giving you you know that, that's all we're looking for yeah that's all we're looking for and you know and, and again we appreciate the friends of the apocalypse who have supported that already so uh that's all i'm gonna say about it i will make some kind of when i get a chance official thing explaining uh everything what's involved in it but we again we do appreciate anybody who has helped support us uh so far so thank you now uh peninsula all right do, now go ahead no no i was just gonna say uh, i don't know that we've got any uh new apocalypse this week outside of peninsula do you have anything you wanted to drop um, uh, well we try not to do that anymore um you know, because like when we did our last off-topic show, I noticed there was a bunch of shit that I that we missed that I forgot about. Yeah. Um, um, but just to let you know before I forget, just some other upcoming episodes that we're going to do, just real quick, is um, a couple of things I have laid out uh, for us to do is uh, one of the people who contributed asked us if we could cover maybe a more uh, contemporary post-apocalyptic uh, RPG. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. Even though we love Gamma World to death and we'll talk about it to nauseum, we um, really should be looking at <coughs> excuse me, some more uh, modern ones. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to... We, Scott and I both have copies of Mutant Crow Classics because that's a newer one. Just came out within the last couple of years. Very popular. So we're going to read through the book a bit, uh, try to get a better grasp of the rules and what it's all about. And we're we're gonna review Mutant Crawl Classics. That's one that's an upcoming show we're gonna do. Uh we're also gonna have I don't know if you folks remember we had Tom Wilson on. Tom Wilson uh did the Gamma Zines on the uh Kickstarter. Uh we had him on for the first Kickstarter. Uh two or three more have come out since then. And he also plans on having uh some new gamma a new gamma world adventure coming out this summer. So we're going to have Tom back on again. We're going to talk about, you know, what we've missed, what's upcoming, what the future is. So we're going to talk to Tom a little bit. And then I'm also going to reach out to uh, a gentleman who's going to be cre- who's creating a Gamma World retro clone called Gamma X. Um, I've kind of chatted with him on Facebook a little bit, but I'm going to hit him up more because they're going to be launching that Kickstarter in May, I believe. And we're going to want to get him on the show with the time of his Kickstarter coming out to uh, talk about the Kickstarter. So everybody knows what it is, draw some attention to him and just see what it's uh, all about. So those are, those are a few of the shows we have planned, and we'll get some other stuff uh, as time goes on as well. Like we're, 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 like we're going to do a um, uh, Twilight 2000 Inspirations one as well. So we have like a good three, four in the, uh, lined up that we know we're going to do for sure. And, you know, as we get back into the groove, we'll, we'll get some more topics. So that's, that's what we have uh, uh, coming up. And, oh, just again real quick. The Modifius uh, finally put out a teaser about the Fallout RPG, not the one, not the one for Wasteland, like the real RPG with the two D twenty system. So it's still on the horizon. Uh, they put a teaser, so my, my I'm thinking that's probably going to come out sometime in the near future. So, so there you go. All right, let's uh, let's go dig into uh, Train to Busan presents Peninsula. 
All right. Now, I had high hopes going into this one. Didn't expect it to be perfect. Um, and like I said, I was a little disappointed uh, in the movie. Uh, the premise is it is four years later, and it's the peninsula has been quarantined. So it's well, got kind of- at, at least, and this is an interesting point, everything south of the DMZ. North Korea, with its crazy-ass, hyper-militarized society and its endless minefields, you know, facing and artillery facing south, has somehow staved off the zombie apocalypse. They make that point at the beginning that That's South correct. Korea is gone, McCready. It is gone. And North Korea still exists. Okay, and then the rest of the world is fine. So apparently this was isolated to South Korea, so it's kind of got that... Uh... 28 days feel to it where it's yep. just like, like it was just England and Scotland that whole area and they quarantined it so we have that situation and the movie overall and it takes it's four years later also four years after the uh, events of Train to Busan and the movie it's really simple what the movie is it's a heist film yep it is a heist it is gangsters in Hong Kong look to score some uh, Koreans who know their way around Korea before it got wiped out, want them to rescue uh, a bunch of U.S. currency that was taken out of a Korean bank, and the gangsters lost their truck the first time they tried this, possibly because they had, you know, non-Koreans driving around Korea and screwed up. But, um, you know, not knowing the streets, not knowing the turns or whatever. And so they've recruited a team of people who know the city that the truck is marooned in. They still know basically where the truck is. And these Hong Kong gangsters uh, are offering uh, these, our, our protagonists, basically, if you go in and get the money, you get to keep half of it. And uh, you get to get your family out of refugee camps. You get to get out of, because everybody who was a surviving South Korean is currently adrift in Asia, living in inhospitable conditions in, in Japan or China or wherever they're allowed to get into because they are an unwanted refugee minority now in, in, and, in Asia. And they're, and they're treated like crap, you yeah. know, and people are afraid of them because they think they're infected, yada, yada, yada. So, um, so, uh, the movie, I'm trying to remember, or I just watched it. It started off, didn't it start off with uh, events that were happening at the time? Yes, of the event? it starts off right in the middle of it where they, uh, the main character in it is uh, an actor named uh, Dong Wan Gang. Sorry, I don't know what to tell you. His name is Dong Wan Gang, but his character's name is Jung Sik, Sok, and he is a army captain in the South Korean uh, Defense Forces or the South Korean Army. And he is trying to get out of the collapsing uh, Pusan perimeter uh, where uh, uh, everyone's getting out by sea. And the United States Navy is there to try and evacuate everyone. It's all very fall of Saigon looking. And he's trying to get his sister and his niece and his brother-in-law out of the country. Before, before the safe perimeter, the safe area around uh, Busan or Pusan, as we called it, you know, Americans often call it uh, because you know the Pusan perimeter uh, from the Korean War. Uh, yeah, they're they're trying to get out before 
even the safe zone collapses. So it starts off with that and sets up the characters for the advancement of four years. And we meet some char- we meet some other characters. This happens, apparently, you know, things go wrong. And then it fast forwards to the future. And they're there. And, you know, some of the characters that we've met are getting into some nefarious activities, which are the Hong Kong gangsters, the brother-in-law, and the, uh, the army captain. They get recruited with a team of other people like some guy who's good with mechanics, somebody who was a taxi driver who knows the city. So they get like their cast of characters who know, like I drove a taxi in the city. I know how to get around. I could fix the cars or that need to get jump started and so forth. I'm the military captain guy who knows tactics and and so forth. So uh, they set their cast of characters, promise them half the loot. And then, then we're on our way. Yeah, set them up with the cell phones, the satellite phones. Satellite phones. So they can call for extraction once they know they have the money. But they have a very narrow window to do this because there is some sort of a blockade going on around Korea to keep the infection inside. Because apparently going into Korea and looting it for valuable objects is something people do. It is just, you know, because everybody got out and the collapse came so fast korea is filled with valuable shit that's just laying there and 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 they are not these guys are not the first people to try this but you know they're clearly going off their something super convertible i mean it's just u.s currency that was held in a korean bank you know because banks hold foreign currencies as hedges against inflation that sort of thing i mean korean currency would be worthless but this is actually american dollars yeah, so um, so they drop them off, bring it, they go inside, they're trying to find the city, and I, and I will give the movie credit, because I felt the look of the ruined South Korea, particularly, you know, there in Busan, I thought it looked good. I thought four years, four years after the collapse, I think it looked good. I think they made yeah. the apocalypse look good. They, you when, know, they're, when they're rowing up, when they're rowing up in their rubber rafts where they've been set off, you know, off the side of the ship, uh, and they're rowing through the harbor, and the harbor is just one wrecked ship full of dead zombified refugees after another, and the harbor is just clogged with ships that have sunk and trash, and that looked good. That that felt like okay. I think we're watching a good movie. You know, uh, it starts off pretty well. Yep, uh, just from that. But even when they get into the city, mm-hmm. it's it's um it's looking good. Uh, the way things are uh, overgrown and uh, the wreckages, it, it, you know, it kind of looked like something out of you know. Remember the old uh, programs they had on History Channel, like you know the you know the World Without Us. Mm-hmm. Um, how things overgrow. I, I think they did a good job on the look of uh, four years after an apocalypse, uh, Korea. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I agree. The city looked, you know, and the thing is, is that uh, because it's not really a war and it's not really a um, like a classic nuclear apocalypse, you know, um, the city has a feeling less like a war zone or, uh, or, you know, Hiroshima and more like, it's a bit like the Andrea Doria. Everyone just got up and fled right in the middle of everything they were doing. Yes. That's exactly what it's like. It's like everybody just pulled up ship literally. And they did. 
uh, what we have is, uh, you know, the ruined city. So, um, but yeah, it looks, uh, it looks pretty good. You know, like I said, it starts off good. Everything looks great. I had high hopes when it started, but then I started calling bullshit right away. That's about the last part that was really good. Because there is uh, some bullshit that goes on here. They go in and they start a car. Now, if they had a, you know, it looks like they made a had a portable charger. Yes. Jump starter, which would jump the car, and then the then the and the alternator would take over, and the car would run on the alternator. That that's how things work. But the battery would have been so dead after four years. There's no way it would have charged at all. So they can never yeah. shut it off. The tires would have been flat because when people store their cars long term in garages, guess what they do? They put them on jacks and they take the tires off because they'll go flat and the gasoline would have been gel. It would not have worked. Oh, yeah. After, the, 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 the tanks would have dried up. Yeah. After after four years, I mean, if it was four months, I'd give them a pass. Or but, if they shoot them, actually do something like having to carry um, yes. jerry cans of gas or you know oil or lubricant to get that to get that car you know if they if there'd been a whole thing about you know you bring the guy who's the mechanic so they can resurrect a vehicle uh and showed more than just the portable uh battery charger that'd have been fine that that would have been good but yeah so I, I'm, I'm calling bullshit on that so then they're driving around which is fine you know they're driving around the city they're looking for the car they find the truck and then you know um like i said I, i'm not i'm I'm going to try real hard for us not to do a step-by-step of the movie, but they find it. They find the truck, no problem, because they knew where it was. You'll you'll you see that there's people watching them. So there's people still in the city, and they get the truck, they take off, but then of course they have a problem, you know, because there's still tons of zombies there. You know, they do some other stuff, which was they had some smart ideas in the film. When the zombies are running, the guy shoots at other cars to set off car alarms. To distract the zombies. Great yeah, idea. Great yeah, they've idea. Got, they've got silencers. They're in the dark oh, at yes. night silencers. deliberately because the zombies can't see. This city is completely blacked out. The zombies can only see as well as people. So the humans are wearing, wearing night vision to get around and they got silenced weapons. And so when they have a horde coming their way, they use the car alarms to distract the horde. Great idea. That all was a great. All smart, smart stuff. But then I get into the bullshit meter again. The batteries after four years would have been dead. It would not have worked. It's like, yes, suspension of disbelief that they're zombies, but there has to be some minor grounding in reality, and that wouldn't have worked. A lot of this could have been fixed, and a lot of things we're going to go into uh, that kind of fail the sniff test could have been fixed by making the time that people had been gone shorter. Yes. If they, if they just had said a year, 18 months, whatever. It didn't have to be. I mean, there's one part of the film where I get why they have to make it four years and we'll get to that. Mostly I kept thinking, you know, this, you know, all the things that I'm having a uh, little grumpy, uh, you know, moment with are stuff that would be fixed by just not making it a four year gap. If it was like, if it was six to 12 months, I would have let a lot of it slide. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of it slide. And so, uh, certainly they get our, our our team gets hung up because other humans in the ruins fuck them up. Yes. And that was sort of an interesting thing. And I'm going to throw this out because it has it has nothing to do with how the movie actually turned out because they went out of their way to explain how North Korea had survived the zombie apocalypse and that the zombies 
didn't get north and didn't spread the infection into North Korean territory, I was thinking, holy shit, there's these North Korean special forces who've come down south to establish secret bases in South Korea so they can claim the entire peninsula for themselves. So that they can, you know, whether it's do their own looting or salvaging, or this is how North Korea reunites the peninsula rather than fight America and fight South Korean army. They've come down as part of a plan to, you know, they're going to conquer the place. And so we're going to run into bad guys who are North Korean communists, special forces or soldiers. Right. I thought that's where it was going. Sadly, it did not go there. No, it did not. So there are, there is another group there. And again, they do some smart stuff with vehicles, lights, flares, they have a lot of good. They have a lot of good tactics going on, and they capture the vehicle and uh, one of our one of the one of the characters because the other other two two out of the two out of the four characters you know aren't captured for other reasons, and one of them uh, escapes. So we find out that this group of the people who captured them aren't just marauders; they are ex-military who are supposed to be there to help the populace, South Korean military. So. They're there, and then there's some groups of... Apparently, there's other people there. They call them what, wild dogs or something, they, yeah. they call them. Um, it was either wild dogs or lone wolves. I think lone wolves yeah. uh, might have been it. So they, you know, because apparently there's people four years later still uh, still surviving, not knowing that the outside world exists. Which, uh, is, which is kind of a problem because, to me, because uh, while phones are down... Uh, cell towers are down, all that kind of stuff is down, radio still works. And they should be able to pick up radio waves from the outside world because it's easier to receive than to transmit. I get that they can't transmit to the outside world and say, help, we're still here. But the idea that they can't hear BBC News Voice or, or Ameri- you know, uh, Voice of America or something playing in the background from you know radio stations on on Korean islands off the coast because Koreans got a lot of coastal islands. None of that's happening. They have no clue that the rest of the world has survived. Apparently, nobody's even looked up like in twenty eight days later and seen the contrails of a high altitude aircraft because that would be there. So a bit, but one of these other groups of survivors does kind of address that, like the you know the um, crazy old grandpa does have a shortwave radio and he is receiving and he's talking to people who aren't there, or at least that's how the way they depict that he's not there. But you know, he has a short, like an actual shortwave. So he'd be able to receive radio traffic and transmit. And if we have blockades around there, the Mm -hmm. ships would be able to pick up on the transmission to know that there's people in there. So I'm I'm kind of calling bullshit on that as well. Yeah, they certainly are group of military, ex-military. There's like 200 of them. I mean, it's a good bunch of guys. And they have a, I guess it's a shopping mall that they've taken over, you know, a compound. Uh, and their teams are out scavenging for supplies. The idea that they didn't try and get a radio message out and call for an extraction in four years seems a little weird. 
Oh yeah, they went all Lord of the Lord of the Flies immediate. Apparently, immediately, it's all this group is all Lord of the Flies. They've degraded down to you know the commander there kind of reminds me of you know of Rhodes. You know, oh, this I was going to you know. say the exact same thing. He is he is Captain Rhodes from Day of the Dead, only with less screaming. Yep, he That's does it. not in touch with anything anymore. Just kind of getting by. And like I said, they're all ex-military, so they should have had some military equipment, radios, transmitters, and also they're so organized with their groups on sending people out at daytime, they could have scrounged up communication equipment because they're, like, waiting for the rescue. They're waiting for the, you know... So I just think they all... The only reason, the only thing I can explain them not trying to contact anybody... Uh, well, again, they think that the world collapsed, you know, as far as they know, but... Early on, why they didn't try, just they, you know, they just they just fucking went uh, native like uh, they must have went native like immediately, right out of the gate, you know, because they are all fucking bug shit crazy. Yes, yes, they are. So there's there's a lot of action in the movie. Uh, there's a lot of car scenes. It's kind of it's kind of like Train to Busan presents the Tokyo Drift zombie movie. Uh, it's mm. kind of <laughs> it's kind of what like it's. That's what it seems like. Fast. It, it seems like the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, just driving around the cities and sliding cars around all over the place. Yeah, a lot of these and, chase scenes. and let's be honest, it's it's more like Grand Theft Auto because yeah. the vast majority, ninety percent of the driving action that we see on this on this uh, uh, film is computer generated. Oh yeah, that I, vast I, majority of it. I was gonna get to it. A lot of this stuff is graphics, CGI's, and it looks terrible. It's obviously it look it looks like so much. But then there's some shots that look like miniatures, like they did, like they actually it looks like oh they made the effort to make this whole panning scene of the city in miniature, which I appreciate more having practical effects. Even though I know it's a miniature, it looks better than CGI. But or maybe this is CGI. Maybe they made the CGI look like miniatures. I don't know. But most of the CGI was just horrible, horrible. It wasn't good, and and it was uh, it was you know most of it was done at night, so it would look less terrible. But Didn't it was help. still not great. Didn't help. And again, there's other smart things in here. You know, they use night vision telescopes uh, or like binoculars a lot. Distance, be quiet. Uh, distraction devices, remote. Mm-hmm. See, I don't know why the girl, again, spoiler, again, we're spoiling. She uses, like, remote control cars to attract zombies and move and try to get them around. Okay, mm-hmm. in this in this day and age, because, again, that, it happened four years ago, personal drones were predominant back then. Why didn't they have drones instead of co- remote control cars? Because she had, like, a collection of remote control cars. What about drones that are everywhere? I think that would have worked better uh, in a more modern context because, A, she could then keep it above them because running on the ground you run into the problem of which they ran into is tipping over oh yeah running into debris cars are notorious for flipping over and not being uh not staying especially because they're driving around the ruins of the city where the city is covered with bits and pieces of rubble and trash and where junk a small a small personal drone would have done much better because you can navigate through it get it out of their reach like draw them to an area and just have it go up just out of their reach so they couldn't get to it would have been much smarter, I think, because you know there would have been drones. They would have been able to find drones too. If they could find RC cars, they could find fucking drones. Well, uh, that more counts as a missed opportunity. Yeah. Uh, also, I think the reason they wanted an RC car was that they wanted 
problems to show up as part of the plot, like the car tips over. There was that bit where the car tipped over right next to where they were hiding. And now they've got a now they've got a problem that comes out of nowhere, a problem they could have avoided, but the writer didn't want them to avoid the problem that they wanted them to experience the problem. And so there's there's that kind of stupid writer tricks where the writer deliberately makes a choice to make it harder for the characters because they can't think of the the writer can't think of a better way to screw up their characters lives so they go with an easy option well you know they still could have done it with the drones they could have hit a piece of debris they could they still could have done the same thing it was again it's just a missed opportunity was it a bad mistake no i mean it wasn't as glaring as you know dead car batteries after four years it was just like eh, it would have been better if they could have done that it would have seemed more like you know logical to me but um it, here's the other big problem with this film. It is so over dramatic. Oh yeah, the last ten minutes of the film take thirty minutes to get through because the director goes into slow motion mode with giant dramatic, heartfelt, you know, emotional orchestral music playing, tons of violin kids lots and sweeping violin sounds as yeah what crying Uh, lots of crying and regrets and oh god oh it's just it's so like oh my god okay uh yeah it's got some i mean it has it has some problems and you know and part of it too you know uh with the group of the of the of the crazy uh, military guys is you know they've done things like set up games with throwing survivors in with zombies which you know we've seen that type of thing before you know and i think they do a reasonable job with that you know you know there's problems with rationing and food like there's plenty of food but they're rationing it all, all typical stuff i mean like i said the whole it's not all bad i mean i think the movie had some potential it definitely had a lot more potential than they actually... They didn't fulfill those shoes. Now, that's the biggest thing that's a problem with uh, with uh, Peninsula, is that it has a lot of potential. It keeps edging up to the potential, but what we get is a fairly lackluster zombie film. I mean, Train to Busan demonstrated that the zombie, the zombie genre isn't dead. You could take Peninsula and go, you know what? No, it is dead. <laughs> yeah. This... This, this would be the kind of film someone would pull out and say that the zombie genre doesn't have anything new or interesting to offer us. Because all the things that were in Train to Busan, the connection to Korean uh, mass transit culture, the connections to showing class structure in oh, Korea. Oh, yeah. The caste system, all that. So it's all very well done. Well, you know what? Uh, but but it doesn't appear anywhere in this to movie. me yeah. in, in, in uh, Peninsula. Yeah, and, and the thing is, what's really going to put the nail in the coffin, be, you know, you said this one shows that it's dead. There is actually, you know, they're going to be doing a American version of Train to Busan. Because yeah. we don't have trains. That's not our culture. The Northeast has train culture. People commute all the time. But it's not on the same scale as Korea, Japan, the Asian uh, Pacific Rim has a lot of, you know, has train culture because that's the main mass transit. They have it up in the northeast corridor, uh, but it's still not the same because a lot of their trains are high speed because of the distance between cities. Yeah. So it works better there. I just, you know, so unless it, they put it, it unless they unless they put it in the northeast, even doing it in California or even Seattle, Oregon area, uh, you know, where you are, where they have trains, it's not it's not the same. 
No, we don't we don't have it like they do in the uh, Asian Pacific Rim. Absolutely not. And I gotta tell you, you know what it reminds me of? I was I was listening to a voiceover for uh, the Devil Rides Out, which is an old Hammer horror film, and Christopher Lee, who's in the film when it was made back in the '60s, he's he's commenting about you know Dennis Wheatley, the author of The Devil Rides Out, and how much he enjoyed those Dennis Wheatley supernatural, you know, occult mystery stories. And they start, somebody during the, you know, during the commentary mentions, oh yeah, I hear the Americans are going to uh, remake The Wicker Man. And it's like, wait, you're going to make a movie about Celtic pre-Christian paganism in America? And, and, and Chris Ridley's like, that doesn't make any, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. whatsoever it doesn't work the idea of importing train to busan to america i feel the exact same way i feel the exact same that that doesn't make any that doesn't yeah make it, sense. it won't it won't work well but like you said like we said overall like you said you know uh just to be you know more of the crit the critics hat you know the acting was was you know was the acting good eh, no it wasn't bad but it wasn't good you know nothing stand out nothing, nothing stand outish there's, you know, a lot of the themes of the film are, you know, kind of like, you know, there's revenge, there's redemption, a lot of redemption in this film. It's a, yeah. Redemption is a big theme in this film for several of the main characters, or at least our one main character. Redemption is his big thing. So yeah. making, up for the, making up for the things that you did when it was all about, you know, I have to survive. And there's a there's a big part of the early part of the film is doing ruthless unethical things uh or unempathetic things to survive and it didn't matter right they they there's some people get screwed over in the struggle to survive and then the people who did the screwing doesn't benefit them they they come to horrible ends anyways and so having survived you know but lost a lot in the process the question is you know was it worthwhile to have been such a bastard and yet things ended badly so are they going to turn around now and try and make up for those previous events? And that's a lot of what's going on in the last half of the film. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, and by the lot. way, by the way, folks, it's a two-hour film, and it feels like a two-hour film. Yeah, bad um, news. It, it, it feels it's a it's a long movie. Um, like I said, the last quarter of the movie is all about this redemption and that's where a lot of the over dramatic stuff happens. Not that we are, we're opposed to dramatic stuff, but it's just, it's not done good. I'm going to say melodramatic. It's more okay. melodramatic. You're it's right. melodrama. And it's, uh, it's, it's like, and now we are going to affect your emotions. And it, it's like this big announcement through the use of slow-mo, the music, like you're supposed to be emotionally engaged now. And I'm like, if you got to announce how emotionally engaged I have to be with your music and your, your slow-mo, that tells me you've done nothing else to emotionally engage me. That's a fail. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, I'm sorry, but that's a fail. You've... And I'm, and I'm thankful that I was able to rent it for, for free through my, through my local library system. My, lo <laughs> my, my local library system had train to Busan, uh, had Peninsula in their digital library. And fortunately for me, the system that they use called Hoopla for digital stuff 
has an app for Apple TV. So I was able to download the app, log into my uh, Hoopla account, which is my library account, and I was able to watch it on my TV. So thank you, Volusia County Library Systems. Uh, <laughs> so didn't have to pay for it. You know, I'm sure I could have been able to find it other places, but it's like, oh, yeah, it's like I, it, it, it was five bucks on, uh, you know, Amazon Prime or wherever I ended up renting it. So, yeah, uh, I, I I paid my five dollars. I do not believe I I might have gotten five dollars worth out of it, but I'm going to subtract some value for how long it was. Yeah. There's they spend a lot of time telling a story. It should not have taken that long to tell. It's 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 a disappointment. And one of the reasons it's a disappointment, sadly, is because it just cannot stand up to train to Busan. It no, just, it, just can't. It is it is a it is a super weak uh sequel. This just just not good. So yeah. I think that's all we I mean, unless you have anything else to really say, I think that's all we really need to say about this film. Because again, I don't want to get into every nauseating detail of the film, but like I said, you know, a lot of the main points is, you know, visually there's some good visualization in this film, uh, especially of the uh, environments. Uh, but then there's a lot of bad visualization with the environments, <laughs> you know, like yeah. the car chase scenes and stuff. Uh, I, I agree. You know, there are moments, and uh, but it just does not hold up. It just doesn't hold up, and it, it doesn't hold up. Maybe because, maybe because the heist isn't compelling enough. Very boring. The, the 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 heist with the money is just not compelling enough for it wasn't for me so i think that is also part of the problem i guess there are certain things about the heist that like in train to busan right we see a lot of what husbands and fathers are supposed to do for their families right yeah there's a number of characters in that where you know one of the messages is you know uh, sort of is like, you're a dad. You're supposed to do everything for your family. You're supposed to sacrifice and do the hard things so your your offspring don't. And one of the sort of things that is set up into the beginning of Peninsula is that many of the characters lose their families. And so we have these two characters who've lost their family at the beginning. So part of me is like, what are they risking their lives for? Yeah, what's their motivation? It's, it's just the money. I mean, it's yeah. not like they're doing it to get their family. I mean, if they had had a thing where their families were in refugee camps and living in horrible conditions, maybe the heist would have meant something because we we saw where their how their loved ones are suffering and how they're willing to take this this risk, not for themselves but for other people. I don't know. It, it, as a yeah. result of that, because it, it was very nihilistic. They had oh yeah, no, they, they had almost nothing. To live and fight for. Yeah, it uh, was. It was just they were fighting for. Hey, we get this money. We could buy our. Uh, we could buy our refugee status and you know get out of this. Uh, get out of the gutter, which yeah. is motivation, but it's not the same driving strong motivation that we had in the first film. Yeah, agreed. So, agreed. So, so I think that it suffers from not giving the characters sort of robbing of them of their motivation in the first act, and then leaving them a little adrift. Now. There is a bit where our captain sort of finds the survivors in the ruins of the city and sort of a, takes them on, but it's a, as his own responsibility. But it's a little, it's a little like Ripley and Newt in Aliens, where Sigourney Weaver's character uh, projects the identity of her daughter who died while she was away in cold sleep onto this child. Okay, that was cool back in nineteen eighty whatever. Eighty six, you know. Eighty six. 
but we've seen that before. Yeah, know? it's it, it's yeah, it's that's where that's where the let's that's where the redemption part of it. He's trying to redeem mm-hmm. himself for past acts, blah blah blah. But it's, it just it's just you know it wasn't written as well as as the first film. Uh, just, bottom, just bottom line. Uh, yeah. Bottom line, so uh, you know, not uh, not a good not a good report. We're sorry we can't bring you victory on this. No, one. you know what? We can't always bring you victory, but we're trying we're trying to save you. You know, like I said, you know, on a scale of one to five mushroom clouds, you know, I'm gonna have to give this a one one mushroom cloud. That's it. You know, yeah, maybe maybe a two. I mean, I don't know. Does does is one the mushroom clouds we give out for those like Filipino Mad Max ripoffs that are that are filmed in quarries and outside of outside of manila uh yeah all right all right two 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 two, two. it's not the bot. you know it is not the bottom of the barrel okay I'll, I'll i'll concede on that point not the bottom of the barrel i would even give it a halfway mark i'd, I'd go less than half because there are again some there are a few redeeming cool ideas in it but not enough to really make me uh recommend the movie yeah ex- exactly so this is, i this is oh, below average apocalypse kids so I'm going to give it two mushroom clouds out of five. That seems fair to me. So, all right, folks. So that's uh, Train to Bazan presents Peninsula. We're not going to say anything more about it because you've heard it all the, these last 40 or so minutes. <laughs> uh, like, like I said, we have stuff lined up for the future, so we'll, we, we will be back soon. Um, and as always, thank you for your time with us. We appreciate it. We will see you in the wastelands. Adios. This episode of Podcast at Ground Zero has been brought to you by Hobo Soup. Hobo Soup, when you have to make do with what you got. Now available in apocalypse size. Keep up to date with us by visiting podcastatgroundzero.com and subscribe to the blog via email.